Yeah, if you can just give me maybe just a quick kind of bio of what you do for anyone who's listening who's you know not super familiar with uh, what you're doing over on Twitter and what you're you know doing in the psychedelics anonymous uh, community. For sure. So got into NFTs a uh, little bit over a year ago. I think it was probably like 15, 16 months ago. Um, initially, you know, got attracted by obviously seeing <laughs> what some of these JPEGs were selling for. And then also um, after that aspect, you know, kind of unfolded for me, I started to do some research and watch a lot of Gary Vee videos. Um, and I'd probably, you know, attribute him as one of the people that really got me kind of more interested in them because I was really learning about kind of the smart contract application to different industries. And that's where I kind of saw, you know, the bread and butter of, you know, why web three will make it. There's just so many systems in place where, you know, things could be, you know, drastically improved upon. Uh, That being said, you know, that's going to take time. It's going to take adoption and, and all that. Um, and you know, through my trading the first month or so, you know, got rugged a few times, so like pretty much everyone in NFTs, um, and then, you know, eventually landed upon, uh, psychedelics anonymous and, uh, you know, heard Volterra on his spaces. Um, he was probably the most eloquent person I had heard just from the NFT space, given, you know, what some of these discords were like at the time back in the bull market where it was just absolute nonsense and people typing just a bunch of gibberish in to, to get points to level up to maybe get whitelist. Um, and, and so I just noticed something different about the project and, and the way he carried himself and, you know, his vision, because at the end of the day, uh, obviously I want to, you know, take part in the NFT ecosystem, you know, take some profits along the way, like everyone else. Uh, but, you know, for me, it was the community. It's the, the, the tech that, that really excites me. And it's, it's why I've remained here. Obviously what brought me in was probably more of the money. Uh, but then for PA specifically, um, it was a project that, you know, at first glance, um, I didn't fully understand. And that somewhat fascinated me. I've always really loved puzzles, um, you know, in terms of the lore for PA, some people view it as dark, uh, others kind of view it as mysterious. Um, and, and for me, you know, it fascinated me that I couldn't fully grasp or understand it. So it reeled me in a little bit more. Um, and then over time, you know, as the community developed and the project developed um, and you know, got to know Volterra a little bit more, um, I, I was putting out content for the, the community, um, you know, basically asked uh, once I did one thread one time, uh, you know, recapping one of Fold Spaces because he used to do, you know, hour and a half to two hour spaces. Uh, I would recap them all in a thread and uh, people loved it. And so the community kept pushing me to do more and more of it. They kept supporting me. Um, It it got to a point where, you know, now I probably, you know, whether it's directly or indirectly, probably onboarded a few hundred people. Um, And so it got to a point where a little bit after NFT New York, I was talking with Voltura um, and, you know, the community was was really telling me to keep going and, and pushing, and uh, they were actually driving somewhat of a narrative that the team should hire me. Um, obviously, was definitely very open to the idea, um, just because I, I enjoyed it and loved it. So I joined as the content lead um, as part of the council. So I'm basically, you know, tasked with writing or creating or brainstorming different content pieces that the team can leverage or that, you know, can just help kind of grow the PA brand or its recognition or just, you know, more eyes um, on us in general. And I would say over the last few months as well, um, I think it was, if I remember correctly, maybe April of last year, um, I I got to a point where I I recognized, you know, just very transparently, um, you know, 
communities can only grow so big. And, you know, I've connected with a lot of the PA community, but I also recognized, you know, if I want to grow my platform or my audience, which is funny enough, uh, never really my intention when I jumped into this space, I didn't want to be someone with, you know, a figurehead or, or a talking, uh, you know, a talking pundit or anything to that matter. It, it just kind of naturally developed and, you know, people really appreciated me in this industry. And, and so I'd like to give back and, and kind of help contribute to their growth as well. Um, and so, you know, more recently I've been doing an educational series uh, around spaces and then that's pretty much kind of developed over close to a year now. Um, so I've hosted, I think probably around 20, 20-ish people. Um, some really exciting conversations, some with founders, some with content creators, uh, some with traders. So just trying to do my part there because I, I definitely recognize there was a, a massive gap uh, upon first entering the industry in terms of education. Um, you know, there's shit posting and memes all the time and plenty of GMs and absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's part of culture. I love it to a certain extent, especially the memes. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we need to see real developments to, to see true change. So that's a little bit about me. And, you know, I just want to help contribute to the educational aspect of it. No, that's awesome. And like my kind of pathway into PA was being an early Rebels by Night holder. And there's a really a lot of a crossover between those communities. And a lot of the folks are holding both projects. And um, I know that Volterra and NAS are... Uh, are close and speak frequently as well. And I had him on as a guest and he had a lot of uh, great things to say about what Voltaire has been doing. I, I think that, you know, part of what made me want to make this podcast is sometimes there is so many things going on, uh, especially on spaces. There's like multiple spaces a day and, you know, it's really hard to keep up with, um, especially, you know, I'm, I'm in my thirties and I got a kid and a wife and a full-time job and there's a lot going on. Right. So, uh, I think lots of people have different stuff going on. And, uh, so it's nice to have, I, I, you know, I read a lot of your threads, um, over the months and over the last year, um, and breaking down some of that stuff, which was great. Cause I can't always attend everything. And, you know, that's uh, super valuable to a community to have someone like you. And like when I first joined PA, um, I've kind of joined, uh, a while back last year and then rejoined, um, yeah, it was great to everyone sends, sends me to you and <laughs> sends everyone to you. I think to, if you want to know about PA, you go to Klaus and, and, uh, he's going to have the info for you. And, uh, even what you've been doing, kind of bringing awareness to uh, new Dawn, that's really what got me even more excited about PA recently was seeing what was possible with new Dawn. And, and just that that is something so new to the space. And maybe if you could talk a little bit about your feelings on new Dawn, your experiences and, and, uh, how that's been so far for the project. For sure. So, I mean, and just to touch on it, I mean, you hit on a good point, but, um, you know, what, what's really attracted me, like I said, initially, um, obviously the profit, but then, you know, the smart contract uh, applications and then basically just the tech, what people are building here is super exciting. Uh, so from that angle, like love Nos as well and what he's doing at Rebels, he was actually um, a, a team I, I, you know, privately was uh, speaking to uh, back in the day and someone I, I have a lot of respect for and love. So great community as well. Uh, but really, you know, my thesis around uh, just adoption for NFTs or Web3 in general, uh, right now we're in a bit of, and excuse my French, a little bit of a shitstorm, where, you know, everyone for lack of better terms is chasing profit. And nothing wrong with that. That's why a lot of people came into this space. But now in a bear, it's really amplified with, you know, the introduction of blur with some people hurting uh, some projects communicating less because they're working on, you know, long-term deliverables. 
uh, you're seeing absolute panic in the market, but you're also seeing a trend of pretty much the last few months, I would even argue maybe even the last six months, um, you know, liquid moves from project to project. Um, you know, what's hot, you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, will die down and it'll move to something else. And people, you know, take their profits in and out. They'll also dump certain projects to, you know, try and jump in on the FOMO. Um, and again, nothing wrong with that. You know, profit is profit. I'm not going to tell people what to do with their money. Um, that's the absolute wrong thing to do. But in reality, you know, we're in a downward trend right now because everyone's, you know, chasing profit. Everyone's going from project to project. Um, and, you know, no one's really appreciating, you know, the long-term teams or the products uh, unless they're like a massive name and they're very well known and they consistently drive hype. Uh, so for me, my thesis has been, you know, a year two out from now that I generally believe even the projects that are struggling right now, maybe bleeding a little bit or, you know, not getting the attention they deserve, they will, you know, kind of stand through the test of time and actually, you know, kind of make it through here. You know, people say 99% of NFT projects are not going to make it. That's, you know, likely true to an extent because there's not enough support and love for the projects that are actually, you know, making and building really cool stuff. It's just a matter of everyone wanting to flip what's hot and, and make some money. Um, so for New Dawn in particularly, um, you know, PA had that realization. Um, it was actually birthed by the idea that Voltura changed his uh, sweatshirt on his ape. And he's had his board ape for a while. It has a, it's like a blue, red, and white, or sorry, red, white, and blue, uh, kind of like a tracksuit jumpsuit. And, you know, he always wanted a black hoodie. So he put a black hoodie on it. Um, so technically his PFP, uh, with his ape, what was never really the real NFT when he had the black hoodie on it, but a lot of people didn't recognize or know that. Uh, but his whole idea was, you know, identity is something that changes over time and you could apply that to all things in life. So whether it's, you know, people spending money on cars, on houses, on clothes, on makeup, on, you know, material possessions, whether it's, you know, changing your hair or, you know, getting all dolled up for a nice date. Uh, identity matters to a lot of people. And we've seen it kind of warp and kind of change and alter over time. And I think people aren't quite fully ready or recognizing, you know, the full potential of digital identity because it is somewhat of a, a newer concept. But we've seen, you know, in Fortnite in particular, and quite a few other games do it now with microtransactions, people will continuously spend small amounts of money to add aesthetics or looks um, to a digital character or a digital avatar um, that provides no actual improved gameplay. Uh, it just generally makes you look cooler or it makes you feel like you're more yourself or you know, makes you feel like you're someone else and, and that's something they wanna explore, uh, which is absolutely all right. But it's people haven't really recognized or even given it credit yet just how big of a industry it's become because Fortnite's made billions off of just you know skins and things that can never be resold and the whole idea of you know new dawn is let's bring a trade economy to nfts let's you know onboard new collections so they can have a sustainable revenue stream um you know people can pay fees to make little slight alterations to their pfp on chain and then also from a, a collection standpoint and a team standpoint you can keep your collection culturally relevant so let's say there's hot things coming in and out um, of the market, maybe there's, you know, exciting partnerships, you could feature that within your PFP, within those traits, within that NFT. Uh, so over time, as things develop, let's say, you know, 
there's a big event or a national holiday or Christmas or something like that, um, you can actually play into those themes and, you know, add elements to your community that they can kind of, you know, join around and, and potentially enjoy. Then on the second element, you know, you really have, from my perspective, you know, the second thing is you'll see really as collections add culturally relevant aspects and traits, you know, like I said, communities will join in around that. Then from another aspect, you have partnerships. So how do you bring more Web2 brands into Web3? Well, you could do partnerships and collabs with certain ones around traits for collections. Uh, that brings in a whole new audience uh, and also brings attention to that said project and potentially, you know, new newcomers, more people getting onboarded, uh, just more recognition and attention. And then really the third piece is it adds a whole other layer um, to kind of the way you think about NFTs, because as we've seen with Blur uh, recently, you know, it really, you know, floors are getting hit hard across the board and really only rares are, are retaining much value. And so in, in essence, you can start to build your own grail or your own identity, uh, which people have never really been able to do to a certain extent before. So, you know, whether it's you own 10 NFTs and you want to play around with those traits uh, distinctively between those 10, you can do that. Or let's say you have one and, you know, you just want to change it over time. Maybe you're feeling a blue sweatshirt today. Maybe you're feeling a suit next month. You, you can try that out. Um, and then from a collector standpoint, you know, it allows for a, really a hyper, in my perspective, it, it, I don't even know if hyper is the right word. I would say a whole other, like I said, enabled layer to NFT trading. So now you have people flipping grails or rares, but then you also have people building grails or rares. And then the third piece would be, you really can dig into that and now also flip traits. So back in the day, someone might've bought something for really expensive just because of one trait, whereas the other aspects of the NFT, they may not have liked. Uh, now you can really hone in on that and allow people to individually trade NFTs as well as traits, kind of allowing for both audiences to really have fun there while also improving the collection, making it culturally relevant. And then additionally, you know, helping collectors or flippers improve uh, their pieces as well as, you know, individuals that maybe, you know, had a floor, they can make it a little bit aesthetically better over time. But that that's really kind of the vision with New Dawn um, and, you know, PA has, I believe, eight that I know of uh, collections signed on. One of those is including Root Troop, so that they're the first one coming on, and they're doing a Polygon integration, I believe, either this week or next week, um, just to support that because uh, Root Troop's moving over. But um, ideally, you know, we'd love for this product to be serviced across NFTs. I mean, it's not relevant for every single uh, NFT project, that's for sure. One, it's not gonna apply to everyone, but then also there's historic NFTs, there's premium arts, um, you know, there's NFTs like Bored Ape and CryptoPunk where hypothetically, even though, you know, Volts had his idea birthed uh, for New Dawn out of that, um, you know, I see those as a little bit more of stretches to take on, uh, you know, trade dynamics just because of kind of the premium people have already paid for them. Uh, so that is kind of the whole concept in a nutshell, but happy to dig into it a little bit more. Oh, that's cool. And I think we'll start to see projects probably building with New Dawn in mind now, right? And the biggest thing that came up in a lot of the conversations I've had is, is especially around NFTs, is that it's really hard for people to want to hold an NFT if they're not using it. 
And I see New Dawn as a way to actually make you use your NFT, right? You're you're uh, assembling, uh, disassembling it, you're constructing it, reconstructing it, you're trading. And because you're getting that use out of it, you know, that's, in my opinion, going to actually help retain folks wanting to hold and wanting to be part of the project and buy in and buy, you know, new uh, Genesis that they can, that they maybe want to deconstruct. And that's, that's what I did, right? I bought two and kind of built what I wanted out of it. Um, so I think that that's, that's extremely important, right? In the NFT spaces, unless something has a really high floor price and you're holding it almost as an investment, um, you know, what was 90% of what people have in their wallet? It's some sort of like flavor of the week flip thing that they're, they're, they're holding on to, to try and sell before everyone else sells. Um, which I think we're seeing this week uh, with the Nakamigos thing. Right. And it's like, there's going to be a point where everyone wants to sell. It's like, so there'll be some people who will hold, but you know, that's, that's what really everyone's looking for. And in those new projects. So I think having, you know, an established project like this that has a huge community behind it. Um, one great way to bring new people in is, you know, the exciting idea of actually being able to use these NFTs regularly um, and change them and kind of play and trade uh, with other people, right? And I think that's what's exciting um, from my standpoint is just someone from, you know, more of an outsider coming into the project. And I think that we can create that excitement across a lot of different projects as well. And obviously projects are looking for ways to have sustainable revenue, um, streams coming in, right, and, and ways to actually turn a profit for the project to stay afloat. Because I think, and I'm sure you're maybe exposed to this a little bit, what the average person in this market doesn't realize is there's a lot of costs to even just like server costs and things like that when you're actually having, you know, quite a large scale project like this. So um, I think this provides great revenue possibilities. Completely. And I mean, on that point, I was having a conversation the other day with someone where they were like, oh, you know, why is PA building this? Like, you know, do they need multiple revenue streams because they're having money problems? It's like, no, like you look at Yuga, they just did an Ordinals sale. You look at D-Gods, they just did an Ordinals sale. Everyone needs money to build products or to be a brand or to just sustain themselves through what's coming the, the next few years. Uh, and a lot of people don't recognize that they're impatient. And it definitely leads to somewhat of that sentiment you're seeing where now people move from project to project because, you know, they don't want to get burned and, you know, they're not sure what is really going to make it. Uh, but one piece I do want to touch on, too, is, you know, the the criticisms of New Dawn because, you know, totally fair and I want to address those. So one of those is, you know, a trade marketplace, you know, hurts people that may have bought rares back in the day. Um, for maybe a little more money. It's a fair point for sure. Uh, my pushback there is you still have those individual traits that you paid a premium for. Now you can get, you know, whether it's earned traits or you could purchase traits, um, you can make that piece uh, more collectively rare again, and then maybe get more of your money back from that. Let's say it kind of declined in value. Then the second piece is um, extraction. So with New Dawn, you can basically extract an NFT uh, into its in individual traits, and it goes within the trait gallery, and they're not uh, Web3 tokens as traits, only when they're reconstructed or deconstructed, um, you know, before that process, are they an NFT, they're in a holding contract in the meantime. Uh, but people have been, you know, buying rare traits off gens that they'll snipe, you know, near the floor, and then extracting them, uh, you know, changing out the trait that they wanted to grab out, pulling it into its trait gallery, maybe they flip that trait, um, or they'll then again, put that Genesis back on reconstructed with, with a different trait that's not as rare. Um, so that can lead to, and what we've seen recently is a little bit of a floor dip, uh, because, you know, people are kind of putting the zombies per se, uh, towards the floor after they're done kind of, you know, 
taking what they want out of it. Uh, so the team recognizes that you know, everyone in the community recognizes it. And, and the team definitely has brainstormed a few solutions for it. But, you know, the main piece really is trade economy is an experiment. And at the end of the day, you're going to see some of that happen because people are participating in the experiment. They're making their grails. Uh, so some, you know, that portion near the floor uh, may, you know, be kind of, I would say, in a sense, affected by it. But in reality, because it's an experiment, you know, there are different pivots and things to counter, you know, each thing that might happen. So what the team plans to do, um, so this, I believe it's next week, um, is the uh, Metaverse Pass trait drop, where they're going to be, you know, expanding the number of traits in the ecosystem even further. But really, the theory is, as more and more traits uh, get kind of involved within, you know, the ecosystem, more and more people will, you know, build grails and then also pick up stuff off the floor because they can kind of build their own, you know, identity in that sense. So they could, you know, buy the bottom dollar one and not worry about the highest rarity and kind of build exactly what they want. So the third kind of criticism is around, you know, more traits over time, technically devalues traits as a whole or even, uh, you know, OG traits. So there's a few different theories from, you know, some collectors within our community as well as, you know, bigger holders. Uh, but, you know, my perspective is this. So, you know, people are going to pay a premium for what they want and what they like. That, that's always been the truth. Uh, rarity obviously plays a factor in that, but it's not the end all be all. And so for me, I think adding more traits to kind of enable people to love their, their PFP even more actually helps and this is really the grand scheme, grand picture here is emotional utility. That's really what New Dawn is about, is helping people resonate with their identity more uh, as an anonymous PFP, as well as helping, you know, enable you to build whatever you like. So I think from that perspective, people will be holding on to their, you know, PAs longer. They'll be more excited to rock them as a PFP because, you know, it's something they've built, it's something they created in a sense. And I think that's really the exciting thing to see is because when you look at projects like, you know, Yuga, I mean, obviously they've delivered so much value and, and so much ROI for their, you know, holders in a sense from just, you know, buying in and reaping in all the rewards if you bought in a while back. But, you know, when you look at some of these other ones, it's not always the case. Um, and so we really need to hone in on that aspect and, and what, you know, why we'll see more and more projects do well is that emotional utility aspect. You know, sappy seals, pudgy penguins, and plenty of other really awesome communities. They they had they do do a terrific job with emotional utility, making you feel part of the community, making you love your PFP, uh, you know, making you feel you know really that it's a part of your identity. So any way that we can help push that forward, I think is very exciting for the space. For sure, and I think um, <clears throat> as a result we've kind of also getting this uh, sub, you know, grouping of Genesis um, that haven't been touched. I think you're going to start to see people wanting to hold those ones, right? Because in this space where everyone's a collector, you know, people love those kind of mint 10 out of 10 condition, you know, baseball cards. And this is sort of a digital version of it, right? Like, hey, this is a, this is my Genesis PA that I minted that has never been, uh, you know, extracted or or uh, reconstructed. Um, so I think you probably still have some people who will think, you know, that way and hold for those reasons as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it, it does come back to, you know, what is the utility and, and community? Um, and like you said, emotional utility, that's a great way of putting it is, is huge, right? Like most people right now, 
if they're looking at only the financial aspect of it, most of what most people are holding, they're horrendously down if they bought it a couple of years, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, and why are you still holding the things you are holding? Um, usually because you believe in some aspect of that product, uh, project, right? And, and for me, honestly, a lot of the different um, communities I'm part of like lazy lions, rebels, um, PA, things like that. It is the community. Like that's why I'm there. Um, and the connections I've made and, and it's, you know, you see it whenever someone joins a PA community, they do that hashtag PA follow PA, everyone jumps on it and it's amazing. Right. And that's a great feeling for a new holder. And it's, it's a great, you know, for something that's a, a project that's I think over a year old now, you know, to still have that vibe for someone coming in new is incredible. And that's a, you know, that's something that you don't want to lose and something you want to promote and make sure people know, you know, that's the type of community that you're joining. And then you have folks like yourself um, who are making it, you know, accessible. So if I join PA today, I can go and read some of the content that you've built out and understand some of the history and what I'm getting into, right. And what's coming in the future as well. Exactly. And, you know, funny enough, I got asked this on a space uh, today, but someone asked me, like, why are you here in Web3? Um, and, you know, the core of my answer was was really education. I enjoy educating others and helping others. I always have worked for multiple nonprofits, love giving back. It's just, you know, I was a charity chair for my fraternity back in college. Um, for me, you know, when I joined PA, I started making content that people really appreciated. Um, I had never seen it in any other industry, uh, that level of appreciation and support uh, that made me want to keep going. But also, you know, people have this narrative about me that just because I, I write about PA all the time, uh, that I'm just a PA maxi and I think it's the best project ever, that you shouldn't buy anything else, that, you know, if you give us criticism is unwarranted. Like, that's not true at all. I, I just genuinely found, you know, my home within that community. I'm, I'm going to rock with them and support them. Um, but it's tough to see because, I mean, like I said earlier, a lot of these projects are getting hit, you know, hard by blur and multiple other factors at play, especially the market. Um, and it's chaotic because no one knows how to react. But it's also, you know, why I've always loved kind of helping add to the education layer of it is, you know, the community pretty much <laughs> supported me up to me getting a job with PA. So I'm going to do everything in my power to support them. Uh, but at the same time, like I can, I can be objective, like obviously PA has made mistakes along the way. Maybe there were some pivots, not everyone loved, um, and that's respectable. Uh, but I'm going to, you know, see this through in a sense of like, I love this product. I'm a power user of it. Like I'm in the top five of, of new Dawn, uh, spent more ETH than I would like to admit, but because I wanted to make sure it would work. And one, you know, if you don't have power users, you're, you're never really going to have uh, real growth outside of it. Uh, so I think, you know, helping contribute to that and test it has been really exciting. And then just from a community standpoint, like, um, you know, they can come and go. But I really think, you know, more people that are supporting each other, helping educate is really what this space needs. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm extremely attracted to the way that Volterra, um, you know, speaks to the community directly and and listens to feedback. And, you know, we've seen a lot of founders who don't listen to their community and who just kind of say, I know what's, you know, it's almost like they're your dad. I know what's best. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, I, this is the plan we're doing that. And there's been times where he's taken that moment of pause and said, you know what? Uh, I hear you guys and you're right. And we're going to regroup. And there was something like that recently that he did. Right. And, and uh, we're going to kind of, you know, go through and make a lot of major changes of, of the road, you know, of, you know, the, the stops along the way on the roadmap. 
Um, and that's to me extremely admirable and makes me want to continue holding and makes me want to learn more and makes me want to continue investing. Um, when I have a team and a founder who are, you know, is a real person is actually reacting to the things that they're hearing as that feedback from their community. Um, and you know, that's something that sadly is sometimes rare in this space, right? Uh, that's if the founder doesn't just rug and disappear <laughs> on some of these newer projects. But, you know, um, that was something I found to be amazing. I, I'm super glad you said that. And it, it sucks because there was a recent narrative that I personally had to deal with and same with Volt, uh, where, you know, Volt recently, uh, because like I said, a lot of projects are getting hit. A lot of these founders deal with, you know, some warranted criticism for sure. Uh, but a lot of it is just like hate negativity or like when floor price, um, and it gets to them over time. But, you know, recently Volt put out a few updates, um, you know, about FaZe Clan partnership for the trade market, uh, the trade marketplace, which he's incredibly excited about, um, and, and some updates for DEMP holders as well as psilocybin holders. Uh, and all the comments on his tweets were just like literally hate and, and negativity. Um, and so he started doing more AMAs and Discord recently to kind of just help community sentiment, which I'd, I'd love to see. Um, but you know, from from an outsider's perspective. It, it does suck seeing that because, you know, in reality, um, he did that. He was trying to listen to his community. He was trying to take in feedback, which is exactly what you want to see from a leader. Um, but then, you know, there was some discussions of a DAO, you know, suggested by one of the community members in our Discord. And so Volt shot it out as a tweet. But then the narrative got started. Oh, Volt's going to rug the project. He wants to sell it. Um, but, you know, the case in point reality there was he was just listening to his community and wanted to see because there was a lot of negative feedback and I'm sure it was due to floor price too because people don't care what you deliver it's really just a tension economy who can drive the most hype um, and and so I, I think you know the influer sorry the influencers as well as some of the narratives in this space can really be detrimental to just founders mental health as well as just communities like long term uh, you know we've seen it time and time again but you know it's founders can make mistakes. Well, we're all human. There's no project out there that hasn't made a mistake, whether it's Yuga, Doodles, Artifacts, you know, um, I could go on and on. And that, that includes PA, that includes literally every single project. Uh, but, you know, founders can, one, get overwhelmed. Um, and, and two, I mean, look at, the, look at the times we're in. I mean, from a psychological standpoint, if you put like a thousand, I don't know, a few hundred or a thousand people in a room, and they were all yelling at one person um, about different things. Like eventually that person is going to crack. Um, and, and I think, you know, it sucks because it's a double standard in this space, but communities and, and people and leaders in this space really need to do a better job of helping support the real teams and real founders, just because, you know, you're profit chasing and DGen flipping, there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, also, you know, help verbally support or, you know, show some financial support to the, you know, teams that are actually delivering. That's my fear and worry because it is starting to get to some of them. Um, and then, you know, that narrative is really tough because like I said, it's an attention economy. So rumors can get started and swirled and, and things can be completely false and, and propagated, you know, on Twitter for two, three days. So it's incredibly dangerous. I mean, we saw it recently with uh, Nakamigos, you know, someone, I don't know exactly who decided they wanted to start the rumor that it might be affiliated with Larva Labs, uh, but in reality never was, but I mean, may have that, you know, attributed to people jumping in. Um, I have no idea, maybe. And I just think people need to be a little bit more responsible in that standpoint, because, 
you know, the reality is when, when you have things like Trump NFTs, Art Gobblers, and others outperforming legitimate projects, it, it really does, you know, break down these founders, like I said. Um, and, you know, it, I, I know it's no one's business to tell each other what to do with their money, but at a certain point, I hope, I hope people wake up a little bit and realize, you know, 99% of these um, that they've been trading or flipping uh, may not really last. Um, so that, that's why I'm just kind of more of a passionate and, you know, sometimes loud supporter of PA as, as well as other communities. I mean, I hold a few different NFTs. I, I love, uh, you know, Wab at the Seals, Ponds um, with the Plague. I'm a huge fan of Jack Butcher and what he's been doing in terms of innovating the space. Uh, but you don't see that enough. You see a whole lot of FUD and, and destruction because it's a, it's a community battle. And uh, uh, Whale, who's a great content creator, I can't remember if it's Whale or Wally, um, but uh, he wrote a you know a great thread about the community kind of competitiveness right now. And there was also a Spaces earlier today I was listening to where someone uh, almost suggested NFT communities are somewhat similar to sports teams where, you know, there's that competitive edge and almost like that hate between them of like, who can be better? Who's going to win the championship? Uh, when in reality, it really shouldn't be like that if we do want to move the space forward. So that, that, that would be my two cents there. Yeah, it's true. That reminded me of something I just saw on my timeline today where somebody had actually shared a, a tweet from just someone I didn't follow who said, hey, I'm finally ready to jump into Lazy Lions. And like, that's a, a project I love. And it's what I'm using as my PFP. And and people were, you know, posting their lions and, and hashtag roar and all this stuff and just creating great energy. Yeah, jump in, man. It's a great time. And then someone was on there from another project. I don't want to like call it the project, but a strong community project. And their answers were like, why would you do that? Just by, you know, our project and stuff. It's like, that's a weird energy to bring. Like we're having a good vibe here. Like it's, you wouldn't do that in person at a party. If someone was like, Hey, let's listen to this album from this band. You wouldn't just go and shit on the band. If there's 10 people talking about like, Hey, this is great. Let's throw this in the in a, so a CD player. I was too old saying that, but you know what I mean? Uh, throw this Spotify playlist on or whatever. It's just a weird way to interact. And I think the problem, is that barrier of being online and we see this with like youtube comments and stuff is that people will say wild shit they wouldn't say in person to someone right um and that's the same with what they will say to a founder like if a founder is essentially a business owner in my opinion um would you go into a local business and you know talk to the owner of the store and say oh your store sucks and you don't know what you're doing well, well you wouldn't do that to someone face to face right that would be very fucking weird to do socially um but people will do it online right and that's that's just crazy and that's kind of part of unfortunately part of the space and then my other two cents um and I don't want to throw you know younger folks under the bus but once we saw, you know, prices dump and we really hit the bear and ETH was around 1200 bucks, and it wasn't so expensive to be over here, you know, playing in ETH, we saw a lot of younger folks enter the market. And, I'm not, and I'm, I've met a lot of young folks who are doing amazing things, so I'm not trying to, to say that. Um, but we did see a lot of folks who just didn't have that patience and didn't realize, you know, what they were buying into with some of these projects. And because they bought some quick flips where they made huge profits, you know, at, at the top of the bowl, they just expect that now, even now in, in the depths of the bear market we've been in for over a year now, right? And that impatience and that that kills projects because you get these people who are not willing to hold for, you know, 24 hours or, or whatever. Um, and not only with new projects, but with, you know, established projects. And that starts to to hurt the project, right? When you have people buying in based on some piece of news they heard and they start just absolutely annihilating the floor or you know, fudding the project because it didn't do the performance they thought it was going to do financially and stuff like that. So we're in an interesting space where I think we have not the same 
um, audience that maybe we had a year and a half ago um, in this space. And also that that layer of the digital, you know, uh, interaction just creates that openness for people to do things that they really wouldn't do in person, right? So, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, the keyboard warrior syndrome is is very very uh, prevalent in social media, and you know, it's tough. Um, you know, the truth is, life is not fair. There's shitty people out there in this world, and you got to have some thick skin. Uh, but the thing is, at the same time, you know, I'm not ever going to be supportive of people hating or, you know, causing issues for another or, you know, being incredibly divisive or saying things inappropriate. But, man, it, it's it's tough because, um, l- like you said, you know, everything you see on Twitter is not necessarily true. And it, it drives a whole lot of speculation in this kind of market and the way people react. And I just, I wish more people took note of that because there are people there that genuinely, you know, care for the space. And there's other people that literally only care about profit. Um, and there's nothing wrong with caring about profit, but in reality, those people will probably throw you underneath the bus. Uh, so just try and pay attention to, you know, the contributors of, of I would say the space that, you know, aren't regularly doing that, aren't shilling, you know, the, the next best thing and, and really just look for, you know, who's building every day, who, who shows up, whose community is still here a year out from now. Uh, and I think that's really important for people to recognize, but I do think it's going to take some time because like you said, the, the maturity level is just not quite there and, and people can really only, you know, stay in a project for 12 or 24 hours. And if it doesn't 10 X, oh, it was a rug. Um, and that's just a terrible narrative to create. You know, the word rug is also thrown around way too often. Uh, you know, it's been thrown at PA, which is completely, you know, objectively untrue just from what they've delivered as well as the fact that we're all still here. Uh, but it's, it's just too much of a loose term. Like for PA's example, you know, a whale came in, spent millions of dollars on PA over three days and pumped the floor price up to five. You know, no one from the team, as well as some of the leaders in the community thought that would ever, you know, naturally last because it was artificially created. Uh, if, if that had been, you know, hundreds or thousands of holders joining, different case scenario there. But, um, you know, the thing is that created an artificial floor that now everyone loves to mock us for that, you know, there's the meme of what happened to PA where it, it shows the peak of, you know, galactic shaman buying up to five, then, you know, the steady decline ever since then. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it, it's the reality of the truth is, you know, whales can make or break projects and I have nothing against them. I actually I'm friends with a whole lot of them. Uh, but, you know, the thing is when people are clowning you for floor price of, you know, your, your high during the bull, it, it's really ironic when, you know, you, you delivered way more now and, you know, things are, you know, going up and up in terms of partnerships and things coming down the line, but that's not what people care about, uh, at least not yet. And, and I think, like I said, we'll see that over time develop, but man, like it, it does suck. And it is really ironic for, you know, us to get clowned for a price that, you know, we had no part in playing. You know, I've had people ask me, will we ever return to that price again? I have no clue, maybe, but I'm not holding out for it because, Realistically, if someone drops, you know, two, three million dollars on your project in a day, you should probably be selling that day. Um, and, I, you know, I don't blame anyone but ourselves if, if people didn't take profits, uh, you know, that, that includes me. But, you know, I'm not the one taking it out on the founder. I'm not hating on him. And, and I think what you touched on is really important. There's a very distinct line between constructive criticism that's very helpful for the team and, you know, just hate or negativity. And really the underlying, you know, difference between the two is 
are you asking a question? Are you asking questions or are you just hating? So like if someone asks like what happened or, you know, where is this going? I don't have an issue with that. Well, when someone jumps in and they're like, oh, this is a rug, like they've delivered nothing. Like, you know, I, I can't find any info. I'm like, all right, how much did you try? Like, did you actually put any research in? Have you been paying attention to the updates? Um, and like you said, attention spans are short and quick. So, you know, if people have stepped out of a project for three to six months and they come back and the floor price is declined, you know, their first thought is, is this a rug? Uh, and it's terrible, but that's what a lot of projects are dealing with right now. So, you know, from that sense, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. We, you know, we got to be positive, but we got to, you know, help spread, you know, the idea of constructive criticism and asking questions and, and trying to understand, you know, multiple sides before just jumping straight into, you know, purely negative feedback, because that, that it just becomes a loop. It, and it's become a loop for every project. Like I said earlier, every single project has gotten funded from, you know, the top of the flagship Yuga down to the bottom of the, you know, food chain. Every single one of them has made a mistake. Um, and so the people really need to be cognizant of that for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, you know, and in what you said, it's someone kind of coming back a few months later and saying what happened. In my opinion, do not enter this space if you're not going to be able to keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on fairly regularly. This is not the kind of space that you can buy something and disappear for six months and expect to come back and see it in the same condition you left it in. Um, and that's something that I found with some folks too, is they, if they're coming from traditional, like, you know, it, I hate calling it investments because like, a lot of this is very speculative gambling on something that's very new, right? But people who come from, you know, like a stocks background, they they can have those longer term holds uh, and sort of expect certain performance. But that's not what this space is about. Uh, you know, there's always innovations and things changing. And so folks can't come back and, and ask that. To me, that's them, you know, not really keeping track of, of what they're invested in, you know, just a quick sidebar, you know, cause we've mentioned, you know, hot projects and like the Nakamigos thing recently, you know, I got a free mint on that because I had the end of Sartoshi pass and they announced back in January that we would get that free mint. And of course, mint day and the day after when price started going up, there was people just fudding on their posts, right? This is crazy. I, I had a free mint. No one told me blah, 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 blah. And there was months of information and in posts <laughs> about it. Right. And, it's because they weren't paying attention to it, right? And that, that that's on you, right? We need to have that ownership and responsibility. And that's hard in life for a lot of people to have. But you really have to be able to say, hey, that's that's my bad, right? That's I have to keep track of what I'm invested in and, and what's coming up with these projects. And sometimes, you know, people just want to kind of be passive, like you said, and say, you know, oh, I don't see anything about this. I can't find any information. Like what they're really saying is, please come use your brain for me, right? And it's like, it's so frustrating because I think you need to be able to at least um, dig in. I'm saying asking for help is great, but you need to be able to, to ha know how to quote unquote, do your own research, you know, in, in all aspects of, of a project. Um, yeah. So it's, it is, it sucks when it turns into FUD and it sucks when sometimes you now have people repeating that FUD who don't even really know where it came from. They're just repeating some shit they've heard now. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I, I mean, again, you hit on another great note and distinctively, you know, if we're talking about gambling versus investing, you know, if you're an actual investor, let's separate this from NFTs because we, we don't want to consider NFTs investing. But if, if you did, then as a stock investor, as a successful stock investor, you're probably reading 10Ks, you're, you know, listening to earnings calls, you're doing research because in reality, that's what you do to make money and, and invest. Gambling, you go in and you hope you get lucky. You hope you hit a jackpot. 
in reality right now, NFTs are way more gambling than investing. People love to say, oh, I invest in this project. No, you didn't. You don't have a share in the company. You're a product consumer. And I made this comparison earlier on another spaces recently, but the best way I could really describe NFTs are like, you know, JPEGs attached to a Kickstarter project. I'm not sure if you remember kickstarter.com, but you know, they had a lot, a lot of different projects come in and out. I bought a few of them. Uh, and those companies, some of them never go anywhere. You know, 1% of them will make it. Um, but, you know, they're not shareholders. They're they're really just product testers and product consumers. And people need to realize that for NFTs as well, like in reality right now, all it is is gambling uh, until adoption comes, until maturity comes. And that's why it's scary for some people to see, you know, legit projects bleed is, you know, you can have a really legit team, really legit founder, delivered a whole ton, uh, and none of that matters because all people care about is making money for now. Uh, so until we have a slight shift in that, maybe, you know, maybe it's big, large Web2 brands coming in. Maybe it's, you know, adoption through the sense of we're using smart contracts and Web3 without knowing about it for, for new people coming in. Maybe it's, you know, point of sale systems like, you know, having credit cards versus MetaMasks. There's a lot of different ways we could drive adoption, but ultimately, you know, in, until maturity kind of happens, you're going to see this keep playing out, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think you know we we're still seeing a lot of that. People kind of waiting for when what's what's next, right? Like something mints out, and the next day they're like, okay, so what's the airdrop, right? Like what's <laughs> like people are still asking those questions, and it's it's crazy because they you know they they have this mentality that they've invested in a company. They they some people legitimately think they're like a shareholder, but no, you're. It's like you bought a product, and I used this example before. It's like when I buy a new PlayStation, right? Like. I'm just buying a product. I'm not buying part of Sony, right? And I can't get angry at Sony because I have a, a PS4 and they put out a PS5. That's crazy. Why didn't you airdrop me it? Like, I'm an investor here. Like, no, I'm just a consumer that owns a product, right? And I think that people need to start understanding that uh, more. And I think that maybe because there was so much liquidity going around and, you know, when there was the top of the bull and everybody was airdropping, whether it was more NFTs or useless tokens or whitelist opportunities or whatever it was, you know, people got used to that and thought that was normal. But like people got to realize that little two year bubble of kind of that bull market and like all the COVID shit going on that was affecting it, money printing, we can get obviously we can zoom way out and it gets even crazier. But that was not a normal market condition, right? And there was a lot of things happening there that can't really happen and haven't happened before or after um, as a result of a lot of, you know, the perfect storm of these these events happening all at once. Like, you know, governments, I don't I think you're in the US, I'm in Canada. You know, they were giving folks money, like just monthly, just here's money here. And people were supposed to use it for the rent and stuff, but lots of people were just aping it into NFTs and crypto and other shit, right? Like, so that's not a normal condition of the market where we, where people just have this this disposable income handed to them. Um, and people are expecting that now two years later when, you know, we're reaping what we've sown from that time. Like realistically, economically, everything should have crashed in March of 2020, but we've inflated our way out of it. But now, you know, the the toll has come due, right? And we're seeing these things happening economically and it's definitely affecting the crypto market as well. And you can't expect to be getting the same treatment and all the same free stuff and, um, you know, all the, all the quote unquote benefits as a holder from these projects when there just isn't the money there to develop these things or even 
even just to pay the gas fee to drop it in your wallet, right? Like that's, that's what people don't realize. And I think that that's where I said the audience is a little immature in their understanding of, of a business and costs and scaling, right? Like you think about airdropping something for a dollar in gas. Yes. But if you have 10,000 pieces, you have to airdrop it's $10,000 in just transaction fees, right? Like there's no, there's no benefit in spending that money for a project right now. Completely agree. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's, the times are interesting for sure. And, and I think, you know, really <laughs> like a, a broken heart um, and, and this uh, bear market, the only thing that can really solve it is time. And I think that's probably a good note to end on. I think we touched on a lot of different things there. Um, you did mention you're doing a spaces uh, with Thread Guy um, on Friday, I believe. That, that is correct. Uh, and I also have a few other exciting speakers coming through after him. So really excited about that. But yeah, I've been, you know, growing the series out, you know, the, the end goal, I'm not really entirely <laughs> sure, but, you know, for me, it was just be, you know, someone, I, I may not know every single piece of information, I may not be the best trader, but what, what I can do is highlight some people that are adding and contributing value to the space and, you know, hit on different topics and help educate others in terms of, you know, what they're an expert in. And so I'm trying to do that to the best of my ability, because, you know, like people saw me as an expert in, in PA and in understanding its ecosystem. You know, there's a lot of different experts out there on different, you know, topics that need to be highlighted quite a bit more. So that, that is really my ultimate end goal. And I think we're seeing a lot of really great, you know, content coming out now where we have this time to build and we're seeing folks trying different things. It's kind of what led me to try this. Um, and I'm definitely going to make sure, you know, we release this show usually on Friday. So I'm going to try and release maybe like Thursday night. Uh, definitely want to shout out that space, get more people there. Um, for sure. It's, it's at a great time as well. So it should be uh, good for attendance and I'm going to definitely try and jump in, uh, and join you guys as well. Thank you again, sir. Uh, appreciate your time and I'm excited to, uh, to hear more from you and, and read more from you. Appreciate that so much. I'm also going to be hopefully launching my Substack and new website here soon. I've just I've had a lot of things on my plate, but appreciate you hosting me again. And I'm always happy to, to, to join again. And I'll, I'll take a listen to some of your, your other podcast shows. Appreciate you having me again.